Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. My guest today is the chair and head of a well-known and established financial service organization in the APAC region. She's been named by a top-tier Chinese media, Chinese Business News, as one of the Hong Kong top 20 in the next 20 years for her contribution to innovation developments. An exciting conversation awaits my listeners today at Heads Talk, and I'm looking forward to this discussion. Amy Lowe is the co-head of UBS Wealth Management Asia Pacific, and she's also the head and chief executive officer of UBS Hong Kong, as well as a group managing director at UBS. Amy has over 30 years experience in the banking industry. Since joining UBS in 1995, she has held a number of senior management positions, including regional head of ultra high net worth in Asia. Today, the ultra high net worth business is the leading wealth manager for ultra high net worth individuals in the region. Actively involved in the development of private banking industry in Hong Kong, Amy is the chair and board of a number of banking committees to include, but not limited to, the chair of the executive committee of Hong Kong Private Wealth Management Association, a board member of Hong Kong Financial Services Development Council, and a member of the Exchange Fund Advisory Committee, Financial Infrastructure Subcommittee of Hong Kong Monetary Authority. A passionate supporter of youth education and technological innovation in Greater China, Amy is a member of the court and an MBA advisory board at the University of Hong Kong and a board member of the UBS Optimus Foundation, the independent grant making foundation that helps UBS clients improve the education and welfare of children globally. Amy has received a plethora of awards for a contribution to banking and was named the best private banker in Asia Private Banker Association for Distinction to in 2020. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Amy to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Hello, Elaine. Thank you so much for the invitation. I look forward to our dialogue here. We have a fair bit to get through today, and I have been looking forward to this episode of Heads Talks, and I will kickstart um, by asking you about wealth management growth, specifically in the APEC region. Yes. You've been with UBS for over 25 years, leading the APEC region to become one of the top contributing businesses and region to the UBS group. Firstly, congratulations on this incredible achievement. So for my listeners, can you take us on a journey? Please elaborate on the evolution of wealth management in the region and what are the trends that you are seeing now amongst your clients? Thank you, Elaine. Um, if I look at the wealth management services has uh, certainly evolved substantially over the past 25 years. And one of the most dramatic developments in Asia is its integration into the global flows of trade, the capital, talent, and also the innovation. And Asia's economies have gone from participating in these flows to determining the shape and also the direction. And I still remember when I first joined the industry, actually it was called private banking because the focus is on serving the investment needs of the individual client and to maximize their investment return. But nowadays it's called wealth management because I think when we look at the client, often they will have um, three distinct needs, personal investment, their own business, and also their family. 
Mm -hmm. um, investment offices, they would like us to also show them the deals, the investment on a tiny basis and execute them on a, on, on a seamless kind of platform. On their business, is how are we going to help them to grow, to transform and keep up with the disruptive trend, financing needs locally and also globally. And uh, obviously, family is also something very close to their heart. They mm -hmm. want to protect their family wealth, make sure their legacy get passed on to the next generation. So succession planning is on top of their mind. I think you can imagine why it's now called wealth management, mm -hmm. which a bigger, bigger kind of scope when I first saw it compared to when I first saw it um, 20, 26 years ago um, in the private banking world. I think this really gives um, the advantage to banks in serving clients who are looking for uh, banks who can provide them strong connectivity mm -hmm. and also a comprehensive solutions in achieving their goal. Second, um, if I look at the industry, that it has also grown significantly in Asia because Asia is the center of wealth creation and obviously UBS is committed to investing in Asia in the years to come. If I look at um, one number uh, like the billionaire, APEC is the region with the highest count of billionaire with 831 billionaire. And that represents 38% of the global billionaire population. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the new billionaire entrant during the 2019 and first half of 2020, APEC basically has minted three new billionaires a week, or simply, we always say one new billionaire in every two days. So wow. that's, that's the kind of sizing and also the wealth creation. Mm -hmm. And not only the wealth creation, Elaine, uh, but also the demand for advice has also increased. And we have also observed this uh, during COVID where clients want us to help them to navigate in times of uh, the disruption, the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So um, as you may have seen, we have achieved a record financial performances mm -hmm. uh, in the past 18 months. If you look at um, the first half of uh, 2021, our invested or asset actually crossed the 500 billion uh, mark last year and reaching a new high of US dollar 583 billion. And that's a 30% year on year growth. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the AUM, we are the biggest in the region and double that of the closest uh, competitor. So I am very thankful to the team. Thank you for that. I was going to ask you um, what role has the pandemic played in some of the recent changes you've seen, but I think you've touched upon that. But before we move on um, onto the next question, let's continue uh, and, and look closely at some of the, the new generation investors and clients that you've mentioned. They're the ones who are digital ready, savvy, and are open to new disruptive trends and exclusive ideas. How are you bringing the bank closer to them? Actually, how are you seizing this opportunity? Oh, I, I think the COVID has accelerated the digitalization of all industries. Mm. And it also we define the competitive landscape of the wealth management industry. And many banks have ramped up their platform, the access to and support services with digital being one of the key strategic priority. And I think uh, as banks, we need to stay ahead of the game with the technology, but also we want to ensure banking with us is easy for our clients. So um, 
recently we've been also brainstorming about um, the strategy for the next few years. And we said convenience is the new superpower. You have to make it convenient for the client to do business with us. So earlier this year, we also announced our purpose and time promise. For us, is we have to deliver the services and advice that are personalized, relevant, on time, and seamless. I think relevant is also very important because nowadays they are flooded with a lot of information. Mm -hmm. And we also need to continuously integrate technology into the way we serve our client and become digital native to ensure we are agile at our core. Mm -hmm. And so if I may walk you through uh, two first of this kind innovation that we introduced to the client in the past year. Mm -hmm. uh, first one is a direct investment insight. As I said, many times we heard from our client that they have too much information, too much data. So last year, we launched the direct investment insight in our mobile app and also the e-banking to provide the investor with timely, relevant, and also actionable investment insight. I think this is not about just providing them research and CIO view, which a lot of the bank can do it, but mm -hmm. how are we going to link it with relevant and suitable investment content to trading capability? I think this insight that we give them are relevant to their financial interests and also the investment profile. So mm -hmm. just a click, they get relevant content with actionable trading idea and they can just execute their trade right away. So I think the DII is definitely a pioneer in the wealth management industry where we link the insight with execution and they have won us a, a award as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the innovation and the other one is my way. Um, I guess you have also heard uh, our CEO, Ralph Hammer, has yeah. projected um, this uh, discretionary portfolio approach as the Netflix of banking. Why? <laughs> because our client can get personalized recommendations tailoring their needs. They can simply click to execute. And the convenience and flexibility make this a niche and also a major differentiator from our peers. And it's interactive, our client can just sit together with our client advisor using an iPad where they can build a tailor-made discretionary portfolio collectively and in, on an interactive kind of screen. So the client can really define and select the different blocks of asset classes, region, sector block, and the weighting, and then define their desire and optimal uh, individual asset allocation. And these are built on the strategic asset allocation of our UBS CIO powerhouse. Uh, I must tell you, Elaine, uh, our clients love it because mm -hmm. uh, actively engage them in the whole entire portfolio constru construction. Mm -hmm. And they are part of the process before the execution by the professional manager. Because especially in Asia, um, the clients like to be involved like to also have some kind of control there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so far since the launch of um, uh, this My Way in the end of 2020 in Asia, mm -hmm. we have crossed the 1 billion mark in asset under management uh, in less than nine months. Wow. So, um, <laughs> uh, it's working. This other... oh, yeah, it's working. I, I must admit, I, I do like the, the title, the Netflix of banking, and perhaps that might be the episode title um, going forward. Um, let, let's talk about that. But um, 
has this only been released in the APEC region or in other regions across the globe? Other region as well. Uh, it has actually been rolled out in Switzerland and then uh, now in Asia, and it will be rolling out in all other locations across the globe uh, at UBS because we believe uh, this is uh, one of uh, the, the distinction and also the mm -hmm. first of its kind kind of innovation. Because as I said, in this technology age, we need to leverage technology in servicing our client mm -hmm. and make them make it relevant, mm -hmm. seamless, convenient, and on time. <laughs> yes. No, that, 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 that actually sounds fabulous. And I would um, like to put a couple of links in your episode description to those two innovations, the DII, the Direct um, Investment Insight, as well as my way, so that my listeners, once they listen to this episode, what they normally want to do is go straight to the link or to find out more details. And if it's right there for them, it, I think it'd be great. So I, I will okay. do that as well. Happy to do so. Thank you very much. And I'm probably liaise with your team to get the right links so that we can put it in your episode description. Okay, okay. Amy, just as an addition, what do you see are the upcoming trends in um, Asia Pacific? Um, there are a few trends we are seeing in Asia. One is the multi-generational wealth transfer. And uh, that's also one of the key focus for us because in the next 20 years, 40% of the global billionaire wealth, uh, 3.4 trillion will transition into the new generation. And in Asia, the situation is even uh, worth more attention. So a lot of the Asian clients are now also very keen to learn from the best practice, uh, especially from the West and in the US. And most of them have also acted on it and started the planning. So I think that really provides a lot of uh, opportunity for us in uh, wealth management. So that's one. The other one I would say is the rising uh, women's wealth. Um, our billionaire report last year also showed that the female billionaires in APEC have more than doubled in the past six, seven years. I think that's the fastest and highest growth among all regions. So mm -hmm. that's the reason why you have seen uh, mm -hmm. women being one of our focus kind segment in APEC and also some of the women campaign that we are launching. Okay, um, you want to, to be the go-to bank for the next generation for um, of entrepreneurs. How do you work to achieve this and where are you on this journey? Also, if you can tell uh, my listeners about the Disruptive Tech CEO Summit event and how does UBS utilize such events to achieve its goals? Elaine, I strongly believe that clients are lens to the future. One feedback I consistently got from my clients is they want to know how technology will disrupt their business and also present the growth opportunities. And that actually gave birth uh, to the Disruptive Technology Sales Summit, which we first hosted in APEC five years ago. Because in the past, we, I've been hosting together with my colleagues uh, the different sector kind of event, healthcare, uh, property, retail, consumer. But all along, we have also all these kind of e-commerce disruptive technology coming in. So then that, that we decided we need to also run this uh, disruptive technology. So it's a CEO summit. It has been so popular. And you might have heard uh, of the impossible food where the meat of the hamburger is made by protein. Mm. And I remember we invited the founder of the impossible food 
five years ago, and we did a tasting at the summit. It's a blind tasting, by the way, mm-hmm. with a delegate. We were so impressed, and the Impossible Food has now become one of our most uh, successful private investment deal for our client. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the best examples to show the power of connectivity, how UBS with our thought leadership, the ability to connect the and also the client within Asia and across the globe, and in this case, US, to bring together what we call the one thing capabilities. If I fast forward five years to now, the Impossible Burger now even serves in all uh, in some of those five star hotel and restaurant uh, worldwide. And this year, we, we will be also hosting the Disruptive Technology CEO Summit in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so stay tuned, and because this has been one of the most um, uh, attended uh, kind of event uh, for our client, because you know, 70% of our clients are entrepreneurs. So they are, most of them are in the traditional industry, but they really love to know what are the trends that disrupt mm-hmm. their kind of business. But at the same time, they want to find a new growth segment and also some of this direct investment opportunity because the companies we invited so far, mm-hmm. they are all uh, private uh, kind of company and that provide them with the opportunity. So because uh, as I said, while our clients are still mainly entrepreneurs, who they are and what they need have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. We are seeing a full range of clients from those in the traditional industry who are disrupting or diversifying their business. Mm-hmm. So a whole new younger group of clients who have created a world from technology company. I just also had breakfast meeting with one of um, these uh, young billionaire. And mm-hmm. who is it oh, the age at the age of 30s? Mm-hmm. So and 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 no matter they are in um, they are a traditional industry or in this new economy, there's one thing in common. I think they are all faster, more global, and they are digitally savvy. So they want, I think one thing, Elaine, I'm also uh, very heartwarming talking to them. They also want to make a positive difference in the world. They want to assess the opportunity arising from the latest trend, and they look for us uh, for advice to help them achieve their goal. So uh, I'm so excited. <laughs> it, it is, I was just thinking that that sounds like absolutely exciting times ahead. Um, and also, um, you, you said you've got the Disruptive Tech um, Summit in October. Please do keep in touch so that we have the link and we, I will update your episode description around that time. So if in, individuals are listening to your episode in the sort of late September, October period, they'll be able to click on the link for your Disruptive Tech Summit and get more information about that then. So that will that sure, be Sure, more okay. than happy to That's great. Um, you said that your clients want to make a positive difference. So let's change direction and talk about that and, and, and look at a hot topic, very current and very interesting as well. It's sustainable investment, um, ESG investing. This, though current, is not new to UBS. Um, and bravo to your organization for being ahead of the curve on this as well. Please tell my listeners about your 25 years experience in this area. Elaine, sustainable investing is definitely the mega trend. I've been telling my colleagues, telling our clients, this mm-hmm. is the mega trend. And UBS has been a global leader in sustainable investing since the 1990s when we launched our first sustainability focused fund. And last year, 
actually we were also the first financial institution to make sustainable investment our preferred solutions for our private client investing globally that's a very proud kind of a statement we make to the world mm -hmm. and we were also one of the pioneers in this space and we have the first mover advantage the transition of these environmental social and governance factors from concept and investor preference to regulatory requirement pose a challenge really to everyone. And particularly with regard to integrating the sustainability risk factor into existing investment and business framework. And I must tell you, uh, this has been a journey whereby we have been doing a lot of uh, education, both internally to our bankers, as well as to the clients over the years to help them better understand ESG. Because you know what, Elaine? Mm -hmm. In the past, when I went to some of these top family introducing the concept, they said, Amy, no need to talk about ESG or your sustainability. I do my own charity. You help me with the investment. So you mm -hmm. can see the kind of level of understanding yeah. of the whole yeah. topic of ESG is different. Yeah. So they, they, they've been asking questions, why should I invest in a sustainable uh, company? With all this kind of uh, dialogue, education, and our commitment, they now realize, and we will ask the question, it's not, why should I invest? The question now becomes, why not? Yes. <laughs> and that's very powerful. Yes. Right? I think that's, that's also common sense. Besides doing good to the world, sustainable investment is positive to the portfolio. It's the risk management and offer greater opportunity. And also, by investing sustainably, businesses have the power to turn social and environmental challenges to their advantage. And, and these are the new investment opportunity. So I often tell them there's no reason to wait to get into the sustainable and impact investing. We deliver performance and it's the right thing to do. So now I would say, um, actually, in a lot of our investor survey, we have seen increasing interest into this topic. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy, happy to see this kind of uh, changes. Yes, yes, it, it's kind of long overdue. Your, your organization's been at it for 25 years and most of us are just catching up on it. So it, it's quite good to see that. And my next question was gonna to touch upon um, the behavioral changes that you've seen around sustainable investing, but you've kind of covered that and also how um, the clients are benefiting from it. But as an addition, I'd like to ask, and how has this trend enabled innovation in your solutions? And perhaps provide us with some examples if you can. I think in 2020, the world witnessed an unprecedented kind of pandemic, but it also marked a new era of uh, sustainability, which has become the mainstream agenda for many companies. So UBS has been leading in this space and we continue to put our commitment there. Talking about the innovation, um, actually, uh, earlier I talked about the My Way, mm -hmm. and uh, in the My Way, uh, we have different kind of building block. And you know what? Which building block is the most popular one? Mm -hmm. Is the ESG and sustainability, mm -hmm. and that's also leveraging on the innovation and how we leverage on the CIO, all those are uh, detailed analysis, the benchmark, the framework, and we build it into the building different kind of building block and allow the client to tailor make their own portfolio, and that's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And, and is there any particular, I don't know, sector that they're investing quite heavily in or? You know, right now, one of uh, the hot topic is climate change. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the top three concerns in our finding of the latest investor sentiment survey. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is why we have also developed a multi-layer approach to addressing the climate change, focusing not only on our own practices, but also working to safeguard our investment, our clients' investment, and investment of the communities we live in. And mm -hmm. that's also very powerful because I think if I look at increasingly, the Asian companies are also looking to tap into sustainable financing source Mm -hmm. or also look out for potential acquisition M&A of the innovators and disruptor with mm -hmm. strong sustainability credential. And we've been also working very closely with the corporate mm -hmm. on their transition of their own treasury portfolio towards ESG. And mm -hmm. we are seeing also a rise in demand to embed this kind of sustainability consideration into their corporate investment. So actually, now, uh, we get also very passionate kind of a discussion with our clients, both on their family front, on their own uh, family kind of investment, as well as how we can advise them to go green for the company. Yes, so yes. Uh, I am really excited about the opportunity out here. Okay, yeah. let's move on. Um, I think one thing, uh, uh, if I may reiterate, because as I said, uh, many of our top WM clients are entrepreneurs. They have family-owned and controlled business. So we are actively engaging with them, not only on their personal investment journey, but how we can support their company in their sustainability transformation. I strongly believe this is our corporate responsibility as well. And mm -hmm. I, this is mm -hmm. a so I'm so passionate about. I, I, I can hear your passion, Amy. I really can hear your passion. It's leaders like that that's needed in this time. Um, Amy, uh, I've listened to some of your interviews and discussions, for example, in Bloomberg, Bloomberg Market and Finance, Asian Financial Forums, Asian Private Bankers, to name a few. You're a very tenacious, very passionate, very inspirational leader. So my next set of questions will be about leadership, be it personal or, or company-wide. So let's start. UBS is playing a leading and innovative role in this region's growth. So where to next? And um, how do you see this playing out in the next 10 years, next 20 years even? You guys seem to be ahead of the curve on things. So it'd be nice to hear what you've got to say in this space. Yeah, oh, I can tell you, Elaine, I'm still very optimistic about the growth in the region. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, due to the continued wealth creation, the transition to the next generation. And so Asia is and will remain at the core of our UBS global strategy. And there are three strategic focus for us uh, because I just also had a, um, uh, a workshop together with uh, the executive team to brainstorm our next uh, our strategy for the next five years. Mm -hmm. So three focuses. Number one is the new economy. We want to be the go-to bank for these companies by bringing the focus coverage and also the global connectivity. So, uh, we have even identified the five key high growth industry, namely the TMT, the industrial tech, the fintech, the business service, healthcare, and also the consumer tech. So mm -hmm. that's one, one of uh, the area. And for this new economy company, we need to be there early and along their growth journey. 
So second is sustainability, sustainable investing. I strongly believe this is the mega trend, as I said earlier. Mm -hmm. And also our purpose, UBS purpose statement, we will use the power of investing to connect people for a better world. So that will be also our second strategic focus. I think the third thing, we have also to make it easier for clients to do business and trading on our platform. So our advice, as I said earlier, has to be personalized, relevant, on time, and seamless. So the direct investment insight is a good example and uh, have been really generating very uh, good momentum. We are further enhancing our platform to look at what and to anticipate the needs of the client in future in order to better support them uh, seamlessly um, ahead of the game. So I think these are the three key focuses. Obviously, um, we also have narrowed down a few of the strategic market that we want to focus, like China and Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. And I strongly believe that UBS um, is well positioned to capture all this opportunity in Asia by leveraging our one bank capabilities, the holistic and comprehensive offering. And also in Asia, we have the twin hub, the Hong Kong and Singapore, as well as mm -hmm. I must say, um, also the strength in Switzerland and the tradition in Switzerland being a Swiss bank. I think that really play to the strength of UBS. <laughs> yes, indeed it does. And and the final question in this episode of Heads Talk is, as a leader in this region, what do you personally want to see as part of the growth, the continued growth? And what do you believe UBS can deliver other than what you've just talked about, or even what role should it play? I, I told the team um, in our town hall, one of the vision is that we want to make a difference to our clients that's the business, the family succession, to our colleagues, be the employer of choice, and to the society we operate in and make, it, make the world a better place. So that's why I said sustainability is the way to go and that's the UBS purpose. Mm -hmm. And we want to be the employer of choice. We will continue to focus on grooming and the, the next generation of leaders equip them with the growth mindset and capabilities to manage change and enable them to be agile and faster in responding to our clients' needs. Because I strongly believe human capital is the key to the success. Amy Lowe, it's been a delightful conversation. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you so much, Elaine. Really enjoy talking to you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.